Hello there, people. Welcome to another episode of Dating Skills Podcast. I'm Angel Donovan, your host. Today, we're looking at conversations. We're going to look at a detailed view of one aspect of conversations, which is called sound bites. This is the invention of a guy called Mihao. He's a pickup artist, and you may have heard of him before. He's really one of the guys I've seen from the pickup artist community, looking at those guys, that has worked the hardest on his skill set. He spent more hours in there. You know, he's, he's, he's gone. If you look at his latest system, the things he teaches, they're very, very detailed. Like he's gone into a lot of, lot of detail. So you can see how he's refined that skill for himself. You can also see it in how he's completely changed his life. You know, he was, as we'll hear in the show, he was an IT guy, you know, had kind of like a more anti-social life rather than a social lifestyle. And if you look at his lifestyle today, he's very much more kind of like on the player vibe, the polyamory side of life. And, you know, that's his dating lifestyle. And it's it's a complete transformation. So for some of you guys who really want to change who you are and, you know, you want to be someone completely different and that, you know, you have aspirations to really, really change your life, then he's a pretty good guy to listen to, to be inspired by because he has made a huge change to his own life. He recently had a big Yahoo video series, which was on Yahoo TV, which was a bit different because it was teaching women to pick up guys. And he says he learned a lot from that. So we're going to hear a bit more about that, but it had 5 million views. So it's a pretty big thing there. As usual, for the transcription and the show notes with links to anything we mentioned in the show, you can go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP53. Now let's get into this interview. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better step-by-step, episode-by-episode. So Mihao, you came on the show back in episode 22, which is quite a long time ago, and it turned out to be our third most popular episode of all time, which is pretty cool. Thanks for coming back. Hey, hey. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, last time we had you, we didn't really go much into your background. We just talked about some of the content and we're talking about getting girlfriends back and stuff at that time. So I'd like to go a bit into your background this time so the guys get to know a bit about who you are and what you do and what you focus on. The first thing is, how did you get into this dating stuff? What is your background? Where did you come from and how did you get into this? I uh, was a hacker for the government, basically. I uh, worked on federal projects via private consulting firm. I was a dot-com chief technology officer, too, during that period. Basically, I worked in the open source intelligence community for a little bit. I was also a trainer for Microsoft. I was very good at the computer thing. I had passed like 75 certification exams. Mm. I was both a a system admin, a hacker, and a software developer all in one person. I knew still now C, C++, assembly, all that stuff, cryptography. I was doing all right as a computer guy. I was doing more than art. I was making lots of money. And then I got married to the hottest girl I dated, but she was basically like the fifth girl I dated. Yeah. So, and she was the hottest, you know, out of five. 
I liked her. We liked each other and it worked out for a bit, but really it was like, I just didn't know what I was doing at all with her. So I lost her. She actually ended up ironically, basically, I think she went out with a military guy. Wow. That must've sucked. <laughs> yeah. So, so we got divorced and I basically, the final straw was when she wasn't coming home. So I went mm. over to her friend's house and the friend was the military dude. And she was just hanging out there like, you know, at 2 AM yeah. saying they were just friends. Right. <laughs> so that ended. Then I moved to San Diego, got some new jobs. I just kind of changed everything up. I lived on the beach, a nice house, nice car. Like everything was ideal. You know, I was like 31 at the time. Yeah. Everything seemed like it was, should be awesome. Cause I mean, I had the, you know, the perfect dude resume, but I couldn't get a date for two years. So that's when I finally sort of gave up. I was like, okay, I need help with this. And at that time, pretty much the only source of help was really mystery. So I took a boot camp for mystery. Right. It was interesting because this was a boot camp where the instructors were Love Drop Mystery, Neil Strauss. Wow. And Savoy. Big but names. Was, what, what year was that? That was like 2005. Okay. Well, right in the middle of it then. Yeah. I mean, right. It was even before the game came out. Yeah. So it was about eight months, I think, before the game came out. Because I remember reading it after I took my boot camp, like six months into the community. And it was interesting because all those people went on to become pickup legends in their own right. I mean, obviously, Mystery. And then Neil started his own company. So, boy, started his own company and split up with Mystery. And Love Drop went off to work with Mystery. Um, it was just interesting. But anyway, so I started doing Mystery Method. And I just got in field a lot. And I was, like, opening constantly because I was basically – I'm a very systematic person. So if I have a system, even if it didn't quite work for me, right? Uh, you know, I, I went and did it. And basically within six months, I'd replaced what mystery taught me in attraction with what I taught me in attraction, yeah. which was a lot of buying temperature game, basically. And that's so, that- so just for the guys, what would buying temperature game be? So BT game is when you're like stimulating her emotions, right? So right. really common community opener that does that is, you know, what's amazing. I almost wore that exact same dress tonight right. and then she, she'll, she'll laugh and then you can you play off there, but it would work a little bit. Sorry, I'm tired. I'm like, <clears throat> we just got done with two weeks of boot camps and I've been up till 6 a.m. Ouch. For, like, we, we pulled four nights in a row consecutively. Every night there was different girls here. It was a really oh, so, so, so we're getting a little bit of an idea of your lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so so what is your lifestyle like today? You know, how is your, how's your dating lifestyle? So I take it you're not married again. You've decided to remain single what is your kind of choice of lifestyle right now and how how do you find I, it? I, I still believe in the relationship. So yeah. I I date to, you know, find the one. Although ostensibly it, <laughs> I'll have a relationship for like six months yeah. and then I'll want to get back into sergeant because I'll get bored. Uh-huh. And to me it's like it's interesting because I don't I don't know if I'm ever gonna be in a long term relationship again because mm-hmm. it's just I don't know, once you have the sort of choice of you're constantly going out with somebody. And you realize, I mean, I'm f- almost 42 now, but I, like the student we had a week ago was 55 and he was crushing, right? And the student we had this week was like 35 and he was crushing. It sounds like you, you've met some nice girls since and you've had six month relationships with them, but they're not kind of interesting enough to you or the relationship isn't interesting enough to you or important enough to you to not to go out there and, and see some more variety again. Or how would you put it in your words, the kind of dynamic? The way I would put it in my words is that once you have infinite choice, yeah. your value system basically changes over time. Mm-hmm. And you start to question traditional things you used to believe, which is traditionally I used to believe that I want to get married and I want to be with one person forever. Yeah. And there's still a big, huge part of me that feels that way, 
But at the same time, I have to admit that the last time I had a really more than a year long relationship was sort of in the middle of my game training about four years ago. So in four years, I haven't had a long relationship like anything past six months. The thing I have to admit is that the data seems to indicate that I'm very torn about which way to go. Now, am I really torn or am I sort of just going towards a, a more natural path? Right. A lot of people think that from an evolutionary point of view, men were designed to be with different partners and even women were designed to be with different partners. So I generally don't judge. I just love teaching. I love going out. Yeah. I love making things happen for guys and let them decide because to each his own. Me personally, I'm sort of still figuring out which way I want to go. There is also, as you get older, this sort of age pressure because it as you get older, sergeant gets harder and harder. Sergeant young women gets harder and harder. If you want to... So you're talking about 20, 25-year-old women or... Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's only one woman I've been out with in the last year that was over 30. Okay. And everybody else is under 30, right? And even, I mean, my, our lifestyle is pretty cool here. I mean, we have a really big house where we coach out of. We live in LA and there's plenty of awesome venues to go out to. And generally our social circle is really cool. And I got some really good wings. Yeah. But even with that, I'm the oldest guy in my crew. <laughs> Actually, wait, that's not true. We have one guy that's older. We have one guy that's seven years older. So I'm the second oldest guy in the crew. But I've noticed that as I age, yeah. I have to take better care of myself. I have to have better game. Yeah. This is an interesting point. Do you see an kind of end to this at 45 or 50? You think you're going to kind of naturally progress or change your objectives and, and what you're doing? Well, what's interesting is I keep having older students. Right. Basically, they're happier at 55 being single and dating and sergeant than they were married because they got divorced. Right. And they're generally not guys that want girlfriend, girlfriends. They don't and generally end up in that. So they may even say that they want that. But then after we track them for like six months, they like dating multiple people. Do you think also that that's because they haven't done something like that before? Because both you and me have done that for a long time, right? I did it for over 10 years and I've gone more the exclusive route recently because I got tired of that, right? I went through that phase for a while. So I kind of saw it as like something I had to do and get out of my system. And I know some other guys have gone that way too, but I know a lot of guys have gone your way too, which is, I kind of like being out here. It's a bit more like a polyamory kind of thing, slant to it. That definitely, definitely a poly slant to it, right? That's where, right. where everybody goes. And interestingly, there's three other guys I know in the community. I won't mention any names, but they're all, you know, sort of big. And then I have one wing that's also in the same setup where they basically have, and this seems very ideal actually, but it's extremely difficult to get. They basically have really attractive women that are actually very bisexual. They're not, they want the occasional threesome or they want the occasional girl. They're aggressively bisexual, right? They, they like women and they like men. And then they have a, basically a permanent relationship with them, but they're allowed to sleep with other people and they frequently sleep with other women with that woman with their LTR. So that's a really interesting twist. But I'll have to say that in all these cases, when they found a girl like this, they immediately kept her. Because in that scenario, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. You can be a ninja pickup guy, but women like that that genuinely don't get all upset when you're like sarging other women are just one in a million. I mean, it's I don't even know what the odds are, but they're, you know, extremely... Yeah. There are certain communities like the stripper community and like the polyamory community and a few things like that where, and I guess porn stars as well. There's these communities where they kind of group together and they'd be easier to find. But in general, there's not 
There's very few of them, right? But then, you know, porn stars are hard to get because they're generally really hot, right? It's not like you can just show up at the porn star store and be like, okay, I'll take all the the hot bisexual porn stars. Yeah. Well, every porn star has to date someone, right? (laughs) Well, they do. But I mean, you know, again, you're you're talking to the reduced population. But I guess it's an interesting... But as you're saying, it's like a niche. That's a very niche thing. It's like 0.5% or whatever... It's an extreme niche thing, and in a lot of areas, it doesn't exist. You know, it exists in Vegas and L.A., mm. in America, and that's kind of it, right? right. <laughs> so you don't go to other places, you're like, oh, loads of hot strippers or loads of hot porn stars. Like, it's Vegas and L.A. that that happens in. And, and you're right, because I was sort of going to mention the same thing. I mean, I've definitely had a lot of experience dating in those scenarios. So it's, you do get more flexibility in those worlds. You generally encounter people that are more flexible with their sort of, you know, women, they're more flexible with what it is that they want. Or I would even say more honest with what it is they want. Right. They're very direct. It's like in the polyamory community, they're they're very straightforward about what they want. Well, and the really cool thing is, is that, you know, they're basically just sort of in touch with the truth. There was actually a TED talk on polyamory there was a psychologist that got into ted to talk about polyamory the stuff he cited was like look i mean we're biologically designed to be polyamorous to some degree and some people want to be in a monogamous relationship but generally it appears that that goes against our nature like our nature is that we stick together to raise the kids and that we only live to 40 you know once the kids are 20 basically and then after 40 evolution wasn't designed to even keep us around until 100 200 years ago so it's interesting because now we're still going to 80, right? Like we're going super long, you know, twice as long as we were supposed to. And that presents all sorts of interesting situations because now people have sort of, you know, multiple sexual life cycles. Like they can actually have kids, they can do the whole marriage thing, and then they can get out of that and then be really happy, you know, basically being polyamorous. So I'm seeing that pattern I wish I could say the PC thing and be like, yeah, everybody wants a relationship. Here's, here's the truth. The truth is, guys that first get into this, typically play around for two or three months then they get in a relationship and then they'll have one relationship or one long one and then once they get out of that then they'll go back to polyamory in terms of me coaching women the women i've coached are extremely polyamorous oriented like women they'll usually tell the pc line if i want a boyfriend but when you actually get into their behavior they don't really want a boyfriend a lot of the time and i'd say it's a majority particularly young attractive women they want to explore they want to find something really cool if they find something really cool they might want to latch on to that but it's like Generally, there's no fixed plan in her head that she's just going to believe. She's not going to tell herself, just like I'm not going to tell myself, this is what I want, because it varies with each individual interaction. Yeah. I think the girls I've met who are getting to their 30s or already in their 30s have tend to have a more rigid idea of what they want by then. Yeah, if they're older, they have a more rigid idea because they've explored, and also depends if they've had kids or not yet. Right, they've got the biological clock ticking. And so also I think they've. No, a lot of them have... I mean, this is what they say, right? I, I've done that and, you know, it was fun for a while, but now I want to get more, a bit more serious. And I guess it's, it's a combination of the biological clock, but also there's other aspects of society to think about, like status, right? Like marriage is kind of a big thing uh, in, in, mo- in most countries still. And there's, even, there's pressure from all sorts of areas of society, like your parents, your family, your friends and so on. Well, when I was in uh, San Diego, I was talking to girls and some of them were around 28, 30. And a lot of the time there was, they're kind of feeling this pressure because all their friends had got married and had babies and so on. So there's dynamic going too. Right. I mean, some women are like, I mean, increasingly seeing women that just want to have non-traditional ways of having kids, right? They want basically high quality genetics 
and then they may or may not want to actually have a committed relationship yeah. with the guy. So yeah. it's definitely something that's in flux and it's slowly coming out because the scientific community understands sort of the, the potential truths. And it's not to say that you have to be polyamorous or you have to be monogamous. It's to say that there's now a range of palettes available to you. Like you shouldn't be judged if you're not monogamous. Right. And it's something you should explore to find out which one is going to fit with you. And then you have to also get to pick the girl that is going to be happy in that situation, kind of learn how to select girls, which are going to be comfortable in whatever situation you've decided to put yourself in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Well, we've <laughs> covered the, the flux. I agree, by the way, like it is all in flux and up in the air. So it's going to be interesting what happens in 30, 40 years. When it's normal to just be poly, right? When it's no longer like a weird thing. Right. But I don't know if I'm going to, I mean, I might get married a year from now. Like, I really don't know. I'm not, I'm not a proponent of one or the other. I'm just saying that. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who've said before in our community that they weren't going to get married and then they got married again. You know, when the, when some girl came along, they decided. Yeah, like, like Neil Strauss got married. Then again, mystery, not married, has two kids. Love Drops married now. It's interesting, right? Because it, it does go all sorts of different ways. Okay, yeah. People are, tend to be active puas, though. The guys that I know they're married aren't active puas anymore really i mean neil basically you know retired out of pickup he yeah had a funeral for neil for style at, at, at hollywood forever <laughs> it was it was actually a really cool idea on his part it was super creative right it was like he had his jacket in the coffin and shit it was awesome yeah yeah um, i got the, saw the photos that it, it was very cool so back to kind of the question we started all of this chat on i connect to it so right so i was practicing mystery method and i got in the buying temperature game so buying temperature game is stimulating emotions, basically, where instead of you trying to do any sort of what would be called traditional DHV spiking in the attraction phase, I'm just stimulating emotions. Uh, and then once I have her hooked, I'm like, oh, this guy's fun. Then after that, we start to get into like who I am and start to create sort of deeper attraction. But we call that mid-game. And our entire system is three-second attraction, which used to be called 10-second attraction. But you're going in and you're using sound bites to stimulate her and get interaction. When we do attraction the way we do it, is we use what's called soundbite stacking or pure keynote routines, which use soundbite stacking, pure keynote's basic kinesthetic routines. Everything I say is designed to get a response from her, but the responses and attraction are so predictable that you can basically create a stack of them and you can basically do the same thing over and over and over again. It seems to her like it's totally natural. Like one really simple pure keynote routine that we use all the time is I'll use a verbal routine to stimulate her a little bit and then she's like laughing or smiling at me and I'll say, you know what's awesome? And she'll be like, what? Me? And she'll laugh and I'll grab her hand and I'll put her on my chest and I'll be like, all right, do you feel the awesomeness right now? And she'll be like, yeah, 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 I do. All right, cool. All right, that's all you get. And then push your hand off. So so if you every- broke that down, coming back to the name of your system now, which is Free Seconds, all of the things you just said were very, very short. So originally we invented 10 second attraction approximately five, six years ago. Yeah, well, it was 2008, I think, right? So that would be nearly six years yeah, so six years ago, we came out with 10-second attraction. Yeah. Was that the first time you brought out your whole system, your way of doing things? Yeah, what happened is my attraction system came out in 2007, right? That's the Get the Girl manual, which basically describes a lot of the pure keynote stuff I was just talking about. That was our attraction system. But at the time, we would do attraction, and then we would get into mid-game, which was community styles, basically mysteries stuff. And the thing with mystery stuff, there was a lot of storytelling. Mm. And unless you were absolutely amazing at storytelling, which almost no one is, you know, if you can just weave a yarn and talk and talk and talk and women will just listen forever, it's an extremely difficult skill set to have, particularly in a loud club, particularly in day game. Like, you just don't have the time. So what would happen, and I'll be totally honest with you, what would happen is I did pure mystery method, got no results. 
So then I started doing attraction where I basically switched up to attraction, a highly buying temperature oriented game. And then all of a sudden I started getting laid very slowly, but it took me eight months to get my first laid. And the reason was, is I would get all this attraction girls would be into me and I would go into mid game and they get bored. So what I would do is I became attraction ninja because every time I wanted to get a phone number or a date, I would go in a club and I would massage like 20 sets. Right. Would you say this was uh, something to do with you that you had to focus more on that versus? No, I think it's a universal pattern. Okay. For everybody, that's why our stuff is fairly revolutionary. And basically, I'll say that a lot of people imitate us now because the way I figured this out is I just put a bunch of Pua's on videotape and I put a bunch of our own wings on videotape and I put me on videotape and I noticed the patterns. All the guys that had natural game that couldn't really explain what they were doing or, or why it was working, they got laid a lot, did not tell DHV stories. That was the first clue. They never said any DHV story at all. The only, the only guy I was doing it was mystery and people in mysteries crew and me, you know, at the time. So nobody was doing this. So we're like, okay, well, what are these other guys doing? And that's where I sort of synthesized it. It was literally a eureka moment. I was talking to this natural and he was basically explaining to me like how he thinks he gets laid and he couldn't explain it. But I had like five or six of these conversations. I kept seeing the same pattern over and over and I just got it in, in that head. Like in a second, I figured out the model. So what was the model? Was it the 10 seconds? Well, okay, so the model is that you use sound bites all the time. So instead of talking in a traditional way, like we're talking now where I'm sort of going and going and going, and then you go and it's sort of a normal right. conversation. It's like tag at the moment. It's 100% tag. Even if I tell a story, like a DHV-style story, it's still on sound bites. So I can give you an example. So a lot of times I'll ask a girl, like, what were you like in middle school? And she'll be like, I was blah, blah, blah. All right, do you want to know what I was like in middle school? And she'll be like, yeah, totally. Okay, so I was the biggest nerd ever. And she'll be like, oh, what? Really? I totally don't believe that. You don't seem nerdy at all. No, but I was king of the nerds because I got the best grades. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. And there was this little girl that would buy me lunches and I would buy her lunches. Oh, wow. That's like, like love. I was like, yeah, but I didn't know because it was seventh grade until one day. And then what happened? On the playground, this big pulley kid pushed my girl. Oh, my God. And that's when my nerd soul went completely berserk. And did you, did you fight that kid? Did you win? I was like, yeah, I beat him. But uh, then I got suspended for an entire week. Oh no! But when I came back, I had mad respect in the hallway. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> and that's how I got my first kiss. Right? So it's like, notice how I tell the story. Every time I say something, I get a reaction. So I literally design everything that used to be. I mean, there's some classic DHVs in there. There is like protector of loved ones. There is first love. Sort of, it sort of sets up the frame that I'm a romantically inclined person. There's also a lot of emotional stimulation because I'm constantly open looping. So every single piece of information I give her gives her a little bit of a clue as to what's coming next, but mostly it builds anticipation. Now she wants to know more, right? So I'll say stuff like, and then we got in the fight. Well, now you want to know what happened. And I was the biggest nerd. Oh, really? I mean, how are you the biggest nerd? And there was a little girl that would buy me lunches and I would buy her lunches. Well, so how did that end? See, wherever I'm at in the story, there's an open loop until I get to the very end. And the, the way it ends is, and then she suddenly moved away. And we never said goodbye, so I probably shouldn't even be talking to you because I'm still going out with Debbie from middle school. So basically, it's interesting. It Every single soundbite has something interesting about it. Right. So when we first discovered this, we were like, okay, everything's got to be a soundbite. But at the time, in 2008, telling everybody to ditch their DHV stories when that's what everybody was doing nonstop. I mean, there was an entire nationally published New York Times bestseller going, this is the method. Yeah, it's true. There were about three years there where it was really heavy. 
Yeah, it was, this is the method. So imagine if I went around and said, okay, guys, everybody can only talk for no more than three seconds. People were like, what? That's crazy. That's crazy talk. I knew at the time that everything was three second sound bites. And if you read the 10 second attraction book, yep. you realized everything was a three second sound bite. In fact, I actually measured how long I talk on average, and it's basically 2.3 seconds. Right, because actually, 10 seconds is actually quite long. Right. It doesn't sound like long, but it actually, if you count one, two, three, it, it's a long piece of conversation. Right. So what we did, we were like, okay, no one's allowed to talk for more than 10 seconds. You should usually talk for three. But we didn't title it Three Second Attraction. We made that switch a year ago when we came out with the 2.0 version, where we, we started, and you know, now it's called Three Second Attraction. And that's how it was born. But basically, the reason it was called 10 Second Attraction was for like political. Like back in 2008, there was no crazy internet marketing. There was only a few companies. There was basically a tight-knit community of guys. And that's who we sold to. I mean, that's who was interested in the information. So it didn't occur to me that I should just go ahead and call it what it really was. I sort of made an intermediate title to accommodate the a compromise between people's existing perceptions and reality. Okay. So really the heart of it, rather than talking about three seconds or, or 10 seconds, it's the fact that you broke a long piece of conversation, which was storytelling or whatever, which I guess where you're coming from is that there are parts of that conversation where there are lulls, right? And it's not as interesting. You're kind of trying to eliminate those. Yeah, but the thing that's really key is that you can't have a million sound-bited stories. That doesn't work either. I have two or three that are in my repertoire. And the rest of the time, I'm just improvising. And so the really clutch thing in the system is it lets you do this for hours and hours on end. Like, I can talk in three-second soundbites with girls for 10 hours at a time, and I don't have to repeat myself very often, right? It's like if you look at my infield footage, you'll see maybe 10% of what I'm saying, 15% of what I'm saying is stuff that is clearly stuff I've said to other women or is stuff that's just from the book. The cool thing is she can't tell the difference between the 15% and the other 85, right? Because it, it, to her, it, it all seems like it's the same thing because it is the same thing. It's like she can't tell which part I'm improvising, which part I've, I, is pre-canned. Because here's the, the clutch part of it. We're teaching the improv in a way that gets guys to only use a canned bit when it fits perfectly. Right. So it's basically completely stealth, too. And it works awesome online and it works day game, night game, online game, social circle. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like everything, basically. Well, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple principle when it comes down to it. Yeah. Well, that part of it is cool. And a lot of guys are like, yeah, all I got to do is now start talking three second sound bites. But you also have to stimulate her in different ways. So you have to have attraction, you have to have sexuality, you have some edge, some darkness to you. You have to have, you got to throw in some lifestyle, some comfort, all that stuff. But she has to know who you are. So we basically have a formula that allows people to blend sort of what I call the nine critical elements into this improvisational model where you never, almost never talk for more than three seconds. All right, because when I looked at your system, what struck me is you've gone into a lot of detail about this is this part of conversation, which you call elements, right? You call them conversation elements or sound yeah, bites? Nine elements, yeah. Right, and, right. And, and basically the elements are, are sound bites. And then I, I list all these different techniques for implementing the sound bites. Right. So what struck me is you got into a lot of detail to describe this is uh, one one type of conversation piece because you broke it into these sound bites. I, I felt that it's pretty practical that way because I don't think there's really anything else I've seen that described a piece of conversation as well as that. 
right? Because when it comes down to it, guys first getting into this haven't really thought about how they're talking, how they're conversing, and they really don't understand that there's some bits of their conversation which are different to others. But you've given this very detailed explanation of it. Where did this come from? Is it from a lot of practice over time? Is some of it more recent or is it all kind of come from, where was it, 2007, 2008 era? The 2.0 stuff just comes from a lot of infield experience. I mean, we added a ninth element, which is being nice because back when people started doing this they, they still had a bunch of niceness to them but then if you strictly implemented the original eight element system you could be too much of an asshole so we had to add a ninth element and we added a ton more sound bites just to give people a, a way better idea of how everything works so have more examples because more examples basically get your brain to intuitively master this stuff so when i'm coaching it in field live what i have guys do is memorize three sound bites every night that are new and then I make sure that they use those. And then by the next night, those three are already in their unconscious. And then we have three more. And then I give them three other elements to work on their game. I push them to that. Like, okay, this set, you're going to really move the girl. You didn't move her properly last time. You got to grab by the wrist and lead. So example, if you're teaching a guy this, would you get him to talk about something and then break down what he's been saying and start eliminating parts of it and saying, like, keep this, this is a X conversation element keep this this is an next conversation how, how would you teach this to someone there's a simpler way to do it what we do is we drill so for example i'll pretend i'm the girl and i'll give him typical girl responses and then i have him put in sound bites but we make sure that everybody puts their own personality in it right if they're like a highly edgy person then we emphasize that side of it but we make sure they don't miss any of the other you know magic pieces of the formula and we also go through and take their stories like their life stories and we pre-can those into what we call episodic storytelling which is the example i gave you episodic storytelling is basically you're telling a story in episodes and each episode is a soundbite right and the whole point of every episode is just like on tv at the end you want a big cliffhanger right it's just like a microcosm because you want the audience to be hooked they, they got to pay attention to the commercial break if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast on itunes the iTunes rank of the show is critical for getting the best guests on the show for you and is largely determined by subscriber count. So more subscribers like you means better guests. Also, if you've already subscribed, then please leave a rating, a review and click helpful on the existing reviews. This all helps increase the show's iTunes rank. Help me make this podcast the best resource possible for you by subscribing and rating on iTunes. To do that simply, you can go to datingskillsreview.com slash iTunes. This will take you straight to our iTunes page, where you can subscribe with just one click. Well, it's interesting you say that because when you look at the TV now, when I look at the TV and I look at the intros to any uh, current series today, you see exactly what they're doing with, with the TV because the videos, that they're really good at it. They give you these cliffhangers right before it starts. So you've got to hang on in there and watch and kind of like these mini cliffhangers all the way through. Is this kind of what you're thinking about when you're doing this in the conversation? Yeah, but you have to have unconscious mastery of it, right? So do it through drills. We do it through a lot of practice because trying to think about that while you're talking is just going to make you all weird. It's going to make the girl understand that you're trying really hard to find the next conversational element. And the second she detects that you're thinking a lot about the conversation, it becomes try hard. And that's why some pre-canned sound bites make this sort of effortless. Because even if you go flat for a little bit, but then you have, you know, one really interesting thing to say to her. Like she says, I like you, you're funny. And you say, should I take my shirt off now or later? Now you got a little spike and that's a canned spike. But now you got more juice, so to speak, to keep going with her. And 
The awesome thing about this is really what happens when people use it. If you're doing it right, it only takes a week to get really good at the system. If you're a guy that doesn't have any disqualifiers, like if you're basically a normal looking dude, a normal job, normal life, normal house, normal car, you know, no weird situation, you got hair, you're, you're okay, in okay shape. Like every time I've taught a normal dude this stuff, within four days, they, they got 20 numbers in their phone and they just can't believe it. They're like, whoa, this is just amazing. If you're a guy that's disqualified and you work on your dress, your style, your body language, then that we also do in four days when we live train, but there, it's, it's a little more involved. You're saying the guys have to work on their life as well because they're disqualified by certain attributes? So disqualifiers and pickup are things that she's not going to like about you. And usually, typically, guys know what that is. It's like age, baldness, being too thin, being too fat, being totally broke. These are things that everybody wants to overcome with game. And what's interesting is that most of the internet marketing right now is like, use these three words and now she'll be all into you, even though she's not actually attractive. <laughs> and so there's a lot of that. And the truth, I mean, it's just not true. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, it's just not true. <laughs> you got to have attraction. She's got to like you. So what happens is a lot of guys will think it's their disqualifiers are messing them up. Like, oh, it's their, it's their weight or their hair or something. But those things aren't helping, but it's not what's messing them up. The biggest reason for people failing in pickup when they're not getting coached live is they don't know why the girls stop talking to them. And they think it's because of, you know, what they look like and that the system didn't work for them. But every single time I've ever had a guy like that, it's because he's slightly slouching and he just doesn't know. Slightly slouching. Body language, you say? Body language. Or he's got a little lisp. Or he's got a little twitch with, with his eye. Okay, you're saying it's one of those disqualifiers you were talking about. We would call those body language tweaks, but generally... Fixing that and getting your verbal straight, which is what three-second attraction does. We also talk a lot about body language and three-second attraction. The problem is guys cannot fix their own body language unless somebody's watching it or unless they're rehearsing in front of a mirror. It's like you just don't know what's really going on until you get in field and you're talking to a girl, which is why we videotape every single guy with a hidden camera. Because that instantly shows them what they're doing. And then they're like, oh my God, you know what? It wasn't all the stuff that I thought it was. It wasn't the verbals. My verbals are tight. It was that one little thing I was doing that was screwing me up. Once they get through that, it's teaching them tactics. It's like, okay, girl comes over or she starts to lose buying temperature. What do you do? Or she starts to act bitchy. What do you do? Or she, you know, she wants to look for her friend in the bar. What do you do? Like one exercise I have guys do when I coach live is I'm like, okay, so we have them talking to some sevens. They start to have 20 minute sets and then the sevens start to walk away because they got to find their friends. I'm like, okay, the next set, what I want you to do is not let go of the set. Your job is to make sure, and I, and I teach them all the logistical, tactical things you say to make it smooth so that effectively you're together for an hour and she doesn't feel weird. And then all of a sudden the set's solid. Then I'm like, okay, you did that with, with a bunch of sevens three or four times. Excellent. Now let's move to eight, eights or nine. Same thing, only way harder, right? <laughs> And in the day game, that gets even harder because in the day game, she's definitely doing other stuff. So you have to you have to know what's about to happen and stay ahead of it logistically. And then once they get the logistics down, then they start having hour-long sets. Then it's time to pull. Then it's time to get her out on the day two, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a process. And if I had to name the top steps of the process, it's first, you got to get your verbals down. Second of all, you got to eliminate all the things that are screwing you up and try to you know ameliorate your disqualifier as much as possible. The one way we do that all the time is with dress we get guys dressed right because that's the one thing you can fix overnight it doesn't matter who you are where you come from fixing your fashion you can literally do it by one trip to the store if you know what to get 
And uh, we actually do that on every live training we do too. We just take a trip to the store. And that in itself, just fixing body language, having tight verbals and attraction with attraction stacking and getting fashion, will get a guy that used to never be able to hook somebody, a stranger, to a guy that hooks a stranger 80% of the time. And I'll give you an example. We had a guy that was 55 just last week. And I mean, I've done thousands of these live coachings at this point, but this just keeps happening. But this is just, you know, the recent story because I was just there. And, and the last two nights I was coaching him and he ran only seven sets in eight hours of sergeant because he was in set for an hour each time. And out of those seven sets, he had one blowout. And before that, he couldn't talk to strangers. <laughs> so I love what I do. And what's really awesome is now we're going to do it for women too. Well, we did it on the Yahoo web show for women. Right. It's been a, just an epic journey for me, basically discovering all this stuff. Yeah, it must be interesting doing it from the other side, the women's side. So are you going to do any coaching for women or is it just the Yahoo show? I know you were coaching women, but within a set kind of boundaries thing. Are you going to be doing any coaching of women afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's launching in about a month. Okay, cool. Did you find you learned from that process? I learned so much. I confirmed that everything I, I suspected was true is true. I learned that women are very much more into polyamory and dating multiple guys than they say they are. I also learned that women can be fiercely tactical and very Pua-like if they want. I think more and more so, there seems to be a trend. I think you even see this in magazines now. There's more kind of advice for women. Obviously, there's been some books like How to Be a Bitch and Get Guys or something. There have been those kind of books out for a while, but it seems like that's kind of growing in the media and you see more of it in the girls' magazines. Well, on Yahoo, we got 5 million viewers, and that was the first pickup show for women, like official pickup show for women. There's only been advice shows for women where they're like, oh, you shouldn't be such a bitch. But we're like, say this. This is why you're saying this. Your value velocity is dropping off here. Here, the guy's not being ghost-led correctly. You need to do this, and we'll see if he passes this screening test. If he does, they might be a keeper. And I found that not insulting women's intelligence and going with the pedestrian advice is supremely unhelpful. And when you give them the real shit, half of them just tune out because they're like, okay, this isn't the fantasy I had in my head, which is basically I would adjust a few little things and all of a sudden, you know, the world start knocking on my door. Uh, the other half of the women we've coached are like, oh, wow, this is the reality. I really like having access to reality. I really like the fact that somebody can explain to me how shit really works in the space of a weekend, basically. Because for women, it takes way less time to coach them with this stuff. Like typically two days when we were on the show, we would coach the women for two days to get like a complete A to Z transformation. But the transformation for about half those women was astounding. And the other half just didn't really quite do it right. But the ones that were astounding were like, here, here I'll tell you a really amazing thing about women, which I always suspected to be true, but I found that was true. When we cast the show, we interviewed like 50 girls. And we videotaped a lot of these interviews for casting purposes. And we're always like asking the same question. How many guys that you really like have you met in the last six months? And this was even like stunner tense because we had a few girls that were like models on the yeah. show would say I met one guy. Just one? One guy or two guys. And I'm like, wow, that's dismal. Right. But what, what, did you find out why that was? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I know why it was. In fact, I'll tell you <laughs> why, why it's so scarce. Because that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, I know it's terrible, right? And you're like, what? Because like, for us men, it's like once you get pickup, you know, every weekend I can go out and meet a woman I like. Because, I mean, for a man, I don't need a 10. I like eights or better that have good personality. Because a lot of 10s just don't even have that great personality. They're pains in the ass. Within the reality of the yeah. 8 to 10 physical beauty range, as long as they're above that certain threshold, I'm fascinated, right? So <laughs> me, and then I can meet like, God, I mean, just this last weekend, 
we had two to four different girls here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I met 16 girls that I liked this weekend. And they're making it two guys every six months. So what the hell, right? Like, why is that? Right. Is it because they're looking for personality? What are they looking for? They're not getting or guys just aren't approaching? What's going on? So what happens is dudes are just flat. They'll often see a guy that's interesting, but the guy will screw up the pickup. And the other thing is they're not meeting guys. Those are the two things. They're not meeting enough guys because you would be shocked how few dudes actually approach a really hot chick. Because when we're in venues, and you'll, you'll see guys chatting up girls all the time, but half the time those guys are like friends of theirs. Like an actual stranger approaching a hot chick, she's got to sit around for half an hour. In fact, we had one episode where he took this stunner dancer girl. Um, she was a prof- she's a professional hip-hop dancer. She's in like rap videos. She's got the you know, 36, 24, 36 figure on her might be even more ridiculous. I mean, I didn't measure her. I'm just her coach, right? But the point was is that she's super hot, and we put her in a coffee shop for two hours, and it, literally two guys approached her. <laughs> and then when we take girls like they're super beautiful into a club, a lot of times they'll just dudes are freaking afraid. Like, the AA is so bad that even, like, a stunner dude will be just, like, staring at it. It's kind of funny to hear this after basically it's been 15 years now since the pickup artist movement started where that's teaching a lot of cold approach stuff. So you'd think there'd be enough guys out there. I mean, because I know there's probably hundreds of thousands that have studied this stuff, right? But no one freaking approaches except the dudes from RSD (laughs) as a population. (laughs) And the problem with the dudes from RSD, no offense, I love Owen. Those guys are great. It's good that they're getting guys to approach. But the problem with the mass approach approach is that they get blown out all the time. So they'll like destroy venues in like a matter of seconds. Yeah, well, I've seen that happen back in the day. Even in 2000, 2002, 2003, the venue was getting messed up by too much approaching yeah. from... The thing that messes up isn't approaching, it's lame approaching. Right, right. Or it's highly screening approaching where you're basically just doing a helmet. You're doing something super aggressive to basically see if she'll blow you or blow you out. And guess what? She usually blows you out. it's like one in 40 does she blow you i'm not a fan of it because the aggressive stuff is great if you're advanced because if you're advanced if you're owen i've gone out in the field with owen and we've both done it like side by side like we both just get super aggressive but the thing is we'll stick half our sets it's like the half the sets will stick and then girls see us talking in the corner for like half an hour with some girl and then we'll go grab another girl and then because of the social proof it, it works but when you're like a newbie and you go out and you just start to troll an entire venue and there's 15 of you, dear God, bad things happen. In fact, I nearly got in a fight this weekend because of that. And that's never happened to me before. The set I was in was actually going really, really well. And the girls were like down and everything was cool. It's the dudes that they came with that apparently, you know, saw yet another guy approach them and they literally just bum rushed me. They, they basically <laughs> ran at me, picked me up, and they carried me out of the set. Wow. And the last time that happened was in Miami in 2006 when I started some sort of celebrity chick and she had a bodyguard with her. And it was funny because, I mean, apparently she instructed the bodyguard not to, she was like having this conversation with me, but I guess he was trying to do his job. So he picks me up and like, I'm still talking to her as he's like carrying me away. And that was actually way less violent, more professional. You know, what happened this weekend was like not cool at all. I knew that the pickup guys in that venue created that vibe because they they created this extremely hostile vibe where basically, unless you absolutely nail an opener and the girl's really into you, you get like 
massive bit shield. And I'm starting to see reports of this come up all over the world. So I'll be honest. I think people need to tone that shit down and get better at their approaches and more consistent with their approaches. If you can't hook a girl with verbals consistently without touching her, you got no business touching her. And that's my rant from the weekend because I we I actually fortunately a student I was with we had the student that was six four two forty five he was an ex professional athlete he regulated that situation and then the girls were like please don't don't hurt hurt my piece of shit boyfriend he didn't mean anything. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you had a bit of fun there, but yeah, I'm glad your yeah, student was there to help out. Yeah, it feels fun, man. I love it. I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. Well, there's always a story to tell, right? Yeah. That's a nice thing at the end of the night. I absolutely love it, and I want everybody to go out and be successful, but I'm seeing guys basically screw up a lot of approaches because of lack of outer game, and just to sort of believe that if their internal state's awesome, <laughs> then, then they're going to do awesome. So what, here's my advice to all women when you get approached by a guy. Is, this is the perfect question. Just say, are you in state yet? You say that to a guy? <laughs> yeah. And, right. And, and then he'll be like, oh, how do you know about RSC? Is that your plan? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would probably get a few guys upset there. It depends where you are in the world. If you're in LA, there's going to be a few more than elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Most of the world doesn't matter. This is just a place where we have too many pickup guys. Right, right. Yeah, it must be crazy in LA. I haven't been there for a while, so I don't know what it's like. In this summer, it's been, yeah, this has been the worst it was since Mystery was on TV. When Mystery was on TV and I was starting, you get a lot of, are you like that guy Mystery? Yeah. The thing was, that wasn't as bad as girls getting all pissed off and hostile, right? Because the Mystery approaches we did back then, like when I'm doing pure keno, like I'm touching the girl, but that's a minute in. Or if I'm touching her right away, it's extremely calibrated, right? I don't do stuff that's like 90-10 success rate. You know, if I go for the something aggressive, it's like 50-50 success rate. That makes a world of difference when you do it 20 times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that bad vibe you're talking about in a club before. For me, it was like 2002, 2003, when there was a lot of guys just learning kind of random stuff and, and trying it. And obviously by an hour into the night, the girls were like, kind of semi-freaked out, really pissed off. And you know, the whole club had kind of gone downhill. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, it actually ruins businesses if it keeps happening because then the women don't want to show up. Right. It's just no good for anyone. It's not. Yeah. So. And the thing is, it's not like, you know, businesses or anybody important listen to this interview. <laughs> so they don't <laughs> even know that all this shit's happening. <laughs> Imagine if they did. Yeah. No, there must be. I don't know. There might be a few of them that know. There were some clubs in San Francisco I heard back in the day got really, really out of hand. Yeah, and it's possible. No, I haven't seen a no PUA sign. At the no, no, yet, they, they did do that in San Francisco. Yeah. That was what I was oh, thinking about. They did about. do that. Yeah, they did yeah. do that. And back those days, you know, there was a lot of like mystery peacocking. So anyone peacocking wouldn't get in and so on and so on like that. So it did happen. Hopefully I thought that was something in the past. Anyway, man, let's make sure the guys get a bit of an idea of what a conversation element is here. So what is, I know you talk a lot about edge, right? Is that your favorite one? Is that the one you feel is imp the most important? Oh, there isn't a single most important. Everybody's always trying to tell me like, what's the one thing? How do I get right. girls in three seconds? There's no one thing, man. It doesn't exist. Let it go. <laughs> I can't teach you how to pick up chicks on one little interview. Do you have a favorite conversational element that you use a bit more than others? I love having super playful attraction. Uh -huh. And I basically always improvise that off what the girl just said. So this girl from Saturday night, she had the very princess vibe. Parents were very wealthy. So I did a lot of like sort of princess humor, like princess and king assumptive frame. It's like we were royalty just going through the world together. 
in romantic humor, you make a lot of jokes at everybody's expense that no one else can hear because it creates sort of conspiracy, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a plebeian thing to do, you know? And, and with me and her, that was super hilarious because I was just dialed into where she was at. Like, I could tell she was basically an only child. And this is the beliefs that she held in her head was that she was slightly superior to everybody else. So I just played on that by assuming all these ridiculous, not real frames, like we're a king and queen walking through Santa Monica together. And, you know, we get first in line at the subway and stuff like that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's sort of my little area of expertise, which is the improv side of it. Are you often able to figure out where the girl's coming from like that in that kind of example you just gave? Yeah, because as you're you're giving these sound bites, my personality's in my sound bites and her personality's in her sound bites. So the whole time she's giving you sound bites, you figure out what she's like. Uh Because what's coming out of her is really what is her. She's not using any canned stuff. All her stuff is 100% improvised. You're just getting genuine information about her the entire time. Right. So it's about observation and you just... Yeah, I'm just present. And I'm like, okay, she said this. This indicates that maybe she's like freedom loving. And then we talk about, you know, how it's awesome to, you know, basically do what you want or hang out with people that are very freedom oriented that don't have a lot of things tying them down in reality. So then I'll take my comfort elements, my comfort sound bites in that direction. Every girl is fun. and Every girl has some sort of thing about her, a set of attraction elements that will get a big response out of her. And if you listen, you can hear what those are. And they're really obvious, actually. You just have to be listening. A lot of guys just aren't present. They're not listening. You just got to freaking listen. And if you listen, you're going to hear what it is that she's saying to you that's important to her or that's stimulating to her. Because people don't say stuff to themselves that's boring to them. And if they do, you'll see them get bored. That's a very good point. I haven't kind of heard that distinction before. If she's saying it, it's obviously important to her. And Unless you force her into a question. Because you've had sets where you're like, so what's your special secret superpower? She's like, I don't know. But then she's like, I can fly. Or I turn invisible. Now you know you've hit on some some part of the fantasy side of her brain. Because every woman has, you know, fantasies. And a lot of them are also pretty dirty, which is (laughs) why the sexual side of it works, why sexual elements work too. So you just have to be dialed into where she's at. And if you really pay attention to what she's saying, you can just knock it out of the park for two, three hours at a time. Like I've had girls just choke on their food when they got pulled to food twice this weekend because just because they're laughing so hard. Because I'm just like dialed in. I'll say like one little thing and she'll just fall over basically. And she'll say, oh my God, you're like, like I had one woman just really tell me, I really love guys that make me laugh. And if there's one single thing that, you know, I had to say, it's like the net effect of our system is you're just super charming. And you make people laugh all the time while you're doing all this other ninja stuff at the same time. But then people are like, well, me, how do I be funny? It's like, dude, you got to read the book. You got to practice. Like there's just, there's no one thing. There is a one thing at a high level, but I can't teach you that one. I can't say be funny. I can't say do this inner game exercise and you'll do awesome. I can't say do this one outer game thing. You'll be awesome. It's a performance. That's where I always end up in. It's a performance. Like the, the reason you're good with women is because your overall performance is spot on and your inner game actually literally does not matter. Like you're going to have the shittiest day you've ever had and you can still perform. And think about that. If you're a professional circus performer or you're a professional guitarist or you're a professional performer in anything, those people have shitty days all the time. Yet they go out on stage and they crush it. So the state really matters. The answer is no, it doesn't, because she can't fucking see her state. Like, I can't see the state of the performer. Performer's mom could have died yesterday, but if he's playing well, he's playing well, right? The point is that the thing that we really focus on that people got to get through their heads is it's not aggression of the opener. It's not your inner state. The stuff that matters 
is the stuff that obviously matters. It's the stuff she can see. So the only thing you need to worry about is your performance. That's it. Now, that's easier said than done, but that's the core principle of how we teach. Everything is about how you come off. Right. It's the impression that those sound bites make. Your body language, your eye contact,、right. how you're touching her, and the verbals. People say, okay, well, 90% of communication is nonverbal. Well, that's true if you have interesting shit to say. I, I actually don't believe, believe that. Everyone quotes that study, but it's a very old study and it's not a very good study. Yeah. The thing that's true about that is if your body language is off, it really doesn't matter what you say, it'll still be creepy. Sure. That's, that's getting that conclusion. The, but the point is, if your body language is perfect, you have nothing to say, then you're just boring and the set ends just as quickly. So, is body language more important than verbals? Not really. It depends on your interpretation. Body language will kill good verbals, but non verbals or lame verbals will basically make her bored and walk away and kill your great body language. But the one thing we do take away from all this is state doesn't matter. So, if you're a chick and you're listening to this interview, next time somebody walks up to you, ask them if you did state. <laughs> And Miha will get a kick out of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, man, one final question for you here. <laughs> What are your top three recommendations to men wanting to have a better lifestyle from dating, sex, and relationships as fast as possible if they wanted to get good with this? So, you're talking about some guys that have got results really quickly. What would be your top three recommendations to get that kind of result? My only recommendation is get live training.、Uh-huh. Like, that's it's still the fastest way. I mean, there's guys that'll read our stuff and they'll get good if they're not disqualified and they have good body language. If you're disqualified or you have slightly crappy body language, then somebody needs to fix that. And there's very few professionals left in this business, maybe a hundred worldwide. You know, there's a lot of people trying to sling like a hundred dollar boot camp, but whatever. It's not what it was in 2008 where the financial resources coming into the industry allowed for a lot of quality to exist. So get live training. Life training, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who I think good life trainers are. RSD is great if you know how to talk before you go to their thing. <laughs> like if you got good verbals, then RSD will put you in a million sets and you'll run circles around every other student in that boot camp. A Sin is awesome. Brad P is awesome. We're awesome. Mystery and Matador are still really good in field. Debatable on the mid game. Debatable on the mid game. So are you talking about the actual people or the companies? The actual people. People that I've actually seen that are out doing it. The guys in Vegas, Mike Sartain, excellent, and his boy Sancho, they have probably the best social circle game I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's positively insane. Who else off the top of my head's got amazing live game? I think that's it. That's my problem with the world right now. That I can list off the guys that are really great live coaches on one hand, and there used to be hundreds of us. Back in the day, well, we were doing a bunch of mystery method boot camps. We had like 20 approach coaches, and everybody was decent. Doesn't exist anymore. What other recommendations? Is that the only one you want to give, or is there like a top three? Would there be anything else they should do? Okay, besides live coaching, get three second attraction. That's going to be the next thing. Get my system. <laughs> I'm just going to self plug right here because explain that a bit. About the three second attraction? Yeah. You want to get it because then at least your verbals will be awesome, and we'll teach you some stuff about body language. So now you'll have a prayer. And if you hook a set, you'll be doing really good. Because once a set's hooked, even if your body language is sloppy, but she somehow likes you for the first three minutes, and your body language stays kind of crappy or just okay or just marginal, but she's interested enough that she got through the first three minutes, if you can just talk for, for a few more hours, you'll probably get laid. So the way you put it across is basically you stay interesting for three hours, then. If you can just talk, even if the other 
parts of your game are off. If I can't see you, I can't fix your body language. I can't fix how you're dressed. I can't fix where you're going. I can't fix who you're talking to. There's all these things I can't fix. You're making all those decisions and you're probably making mistakes like I did when I started off, like everybody does. And the problem is that you, people just can't see the mistakes, which I'm like back to get live coaching. But at least if, if say, you managed to hook one in five girls, even with, with despite all that stuff that I can't help you with because I'm not there, and you can talk, then you're going to get way better results. That's why you buy three-second attraction. This is literally, it's the system that politicians, talk show hosts, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler is actually a giant three-second attraction user. She's just all edge all the time. I would calibrate that girl. I'd be like, yo, you just need to throw in a little bit of element nine, like be nice, and you'll do way better. But she's freaking hilarious. She just uses assumptive framing like 24-7. Like every other thing she says is an assumptive frame straight from my book. And she's unconscious of it. She's, I, I know Chelsea Handler didn't fucking read my shit. I know Jimmy Fallon didn't read my shit. <laughs> but the thing that all these celebrities and a lot of celebrities that get famous for no reason have in common is they can talk like this naturally. And they just weren't conscious of it. So you really got to have that in your corner. If you can't talk, you're screwed. I mean, they, they got no prayer at all. If everything else is a little off, then there'll be some girl that likes you anyway. But if you can't talk, it's over, right? And the other, the other major advantage of three-second attractions, if you like online game, until you meet up with her on the date, your body language doesn't freaking matter because you're just chatting with her, right? So three-second attraction will get you mad online results. It's literally retardedly easy. I got online, and I was like, oh, let me use my system online. I'm not even billing. And like, I had like two girls a week. <laughs> the easiest way to get laid today is buy three second attraction, get an online site and pick a girl that's sort of in your looks range and you will have sex this week. I guarantee it. <laughs> There's a pretty big guarantee there. You know, it was my sales side. But anyway, okay, I can see you really believe in this stuff, which is, is good to see. And the third one. OK, the third one I would say is get good fashion because that's an instant transformation. Now, here's the problem. It's like, here's how I recommend you do it. If you don't have a live coach that knows what they're doing. You need to go and find somebody that looks really good, that's got excellent fashion sense, and it's not like a store sales girl because they'll literally sell you whatever, and that looks great just because you're about to buy shit from them. I've never, ever, unless something looks awful, actually really, really bad, I've never said those store sales ladies say any. When I'm out shopping with guys, they're always like, oh, yeah, that looks awesome. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and they're like, eh, okay. And then uh, we grab something else and they're like, oh, that looks awesome. And I'm like, no, it still doesn't. Shush. Just get me more clothes. So get a guy that's not, not in the industry that you think looks good and see if he'll help you for a day. And I'll give you some tips, okay? So if you're older, we've been doing a lot of older guys lately. If you're older and you're in, in decent shape, what really looks good on older guys is sort of a mix of youthful and older. So what we do is like really nice jeans or boot cut because you don't want like that shrunk look where like the bottom of the jeans are like attached to your legs and you look like an 80s rock star boot cut that flare at the bottom boot cut by the way just means there's a flare at the bottom of the jeans so it can accommodate a boot even if you're not wearing a boot it'll still sort of flare out and that just looks way cooler so like all my jeans are boot cut i put all the students in boot cut jeans so there you go oh mine are boot cut too totally agree with you there absolutely so do boot cut jeans and then what we do is we get a really nice tailored jacket I'll have students get one or two Hugo Boss jackets. They're not $2,000 jackets. They're usually three, 400 bucks. And then I get them tailored. I make sure everything's tailored. So 
that it fits perfectly. That your clothes have to fit you perfectly. They don't have to be zillion dollar clothes. They just have to fit you perfectly. So what happens? You go to the Hugo Boss store, even in LA, it's not ridiculous, and you know they'll tailor it for you. And then you know two days later, you got these perfectly fitted jackets. And then over top of that, I just have them wear a t-shirt. As long as they're not fat. If they're fat, then I go with a dress shirt. But if they're not fat, then I just go with a t-shirt. And that has this look of you're this you know, well-put-together dude that um, is also wearing this really nice jacket. And women pick out the nice jacket from like 100 feet away. Like if you're that one guy in the club with a, with a tailored jacket that actually fits you really well, they know. And they will compliment you on it. And the way you know you're wearing right clothes is that every other says, I love what you're wearing. Right. And that does happen. Yeah. If not seeing that, that means you just dress down, which is okay. I mean, I dress when I'm coaching, I dress down a lot because I don't want to basically distract the girls from the students with me. I'll fit right. I'm like wearing a hoodie and shit, right? (laughs) In LA, you can get in the clothes with hoodies. So like when I'm coaching, I'm I'm a hoodie man or leather jacket man. But when I'm like really sergeant, I'll put on, you know, a tailored jacket and I'll have like a t-shirt and a nice shirt underneath. And on all these things, you want to have little things that stand out. You don't want a peacock. That is, doesn't work. Forget about it. What does work is being dressed to social context, but having a little bit of a edge to yourself. So for example, on the jackets we always get is it's not just a black Chad Taylor jacket. It's always got a weird little pattern on it, or there's like some zippers on it or something unusual in the sense of its design and its overall shape, it looks very designer and fitted as if it was just like a really nice wedding jacket or not a wedding jacket, but like a really nice designer suit. But it's got these little things on it. And like Hugo Boss actually does that. Like they, you know, they'll have, they'll have jackets that have like zippers on the sleeves and stuff. And the rest of it's just this perfectly done up jacket. If the zippers weren't there, people would be like, okay, that's a really cool jacket, but there's nothing interesting about it. You always want to have, make sure you got one interesting thing about it that doesn't scream I'm a clown or I'm a peacock. But it says, I'm a little different. I've field tested that like literally hundreds of times. Like I'll just do A, B where, okay, guy's got the same verbal game. I get him dressed up. The next day, he's got the same exact verbal game. Maybe he's gotten a little better. But now half his set's hooked where before it was 20% or even more. Once their game's dialed in and everything, we see hook rates of like 60, 70, 80%, depending on the dude. And if you're like my six foot four guy, he literally got blown out once. After he got verbals down, Last four days of his training, he got blown out once out of 30 sets. That's when you're you're coaching in field all the time and all the shit's in your head because you see it like on a you know weekly basis. And when you've been doing it for years, like you know, me and the coaches here, we see the same patterns over and over again. So what's most important is being dialed in with the truth. And the truth is that your performance and how you come off is what matters. And that's what you need to focus on. And that's really everything. I went long, man. That- Enjoy yeah, that was a great way to finish off there too. Mihal, thanks for being on the show, man. It's been great to have you back again. Really enjoyed it and hope to catch you up some other time, maybe in a f- another 50 shows. <laughs> Sounds awesome, man. You guys are cool. Glad I was able to help out and talk soon. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.